0: Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.
1: The Other Hand is part of the ACAST Creator Network. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the latest rugby edition of The Other Hand. I am once again with Irish Times journalist Nathan Johns to talk about the weekend's rugby. A lot of fascinating rugby over the weekend. Three big matches, at least to talk about. Obviously, the big one from an Irish perspective is the Ireland-Scotland game. And Nathan has written another column in the Irish Times, which has been extremely well read as we speak, dissecting the stats around the game. Last time around, you wrote about Ireland against South Africa and said on the numbers, Ireland actually deserved to lose. This time, you've had a look at the numbers again, and it seems that everything's been turned on its head. And it's the mirror image of what happened last time. Is that a fair reflection of your, your two pieces, Nathan? less so mirror image of
0: what happened against South Africa, and more so the mirror image of the eye test actually matched up to what the boffins look at, which is obviously not what happened necessarily a fortnight ago when Ireland played South Africa. I think the the mirror image point stands up when you, when, when you say what went wrong against South Africa very much went right against Scotland. So Ireland's attacking game was much better. Line out 100%. There's the easy one it was 67% against South Africa so that you know Ireland thrive off front football off lineouts, as we all know the other thing was ruck speed they got the ball away from the breakdowns much faster on on average nearly a second and a half faster per breakdown which is huge I mean when you actually sit and look at a game rugby and count how long a breakdown takes if it's between zero to three seconds that is rapid equally 41% of Ireland's breakdowns lasted less than two seconds which is just phenomenal. So Ireland's attacking game was much better as a result. They ran, they made far more meters than they did. And the big stat is the attacking efficiency. 83% of Ireland's attacks ended in what's world rugby call a positive outcome, which basically means they either scored or they got on a penalty. Scotland gave away a penalty in, in the attack and they kicked down the line or kicked for the post or whatever. So when you think about that, 83% of the time you have the ball, um It's positive outcome you're you're either you're gaining territory so you're either you're kicking well you're earning a penalty or you're you're scoring that's that's phenomenally high and then equally like they scored four points every time they went into the 22 which against south africa they only did they only scored one point so it was just and they against scotland they had less of the ball they entered the 22 less so they were had fewer possession the attack was much better structured Much better executed and much more efficient, which I think is the most important thing there. And I think a big part of that comes from the old boring chestnut. Ireland kicked more against Scotland. They were far more pragmatic. What's the stat? It is 60 something percent, uh, 65 percent of the time Ireland kicked it. And their average in the tournament is 48 percent. So, they said to Scotland, we're happy to defend more than we were against South Africa, which means when we do get the ball, we'll be much more clinical. And they were. Um, and it worked absolutely beautifully. And it's probably a
1: pretty similar template
0: to the way they'll take on New Zealand
1: next week, I think. Do you think that the changes that you've just eloquently described there were a consequence of changes that the Irish made to their own tactics or the way in which Scotland Scotland played? Dif- you know, Scotland being different to the way South Africa played, obviously.
0: Yeah, it's always going to be a bit of both. I mean, there was a lot of talk about the line-out and the starting hooker was different. Dan Sheehan came in instead of Ronan Kelleher and Ian Henderson came in to the second row ahead of James Ryan and everyone thought that was initially an injury. Then Ryan was named on the bench and Andy Farrell said he's 100% fit during the week. Now there are rumours that he's broken his hand for next week and he's seeing a specialist today on on Monday and all that jazz. So we'll wait and see. So personnel, on the line-out side of things, it's, you know, Here's a here's a, here's a a difference that was made personnel wise, and here's a difference in outcome wise. It's hard to completely give it on that based on we're only comparing one game to the next. You'd need wider trends, etc. But if you want to draw that conclusion, you can. So personnel certainly ha- has has made a difference. Um, I suspect Paul O'Connell, I think, is the coach in charge of the kind of he's in charge of the lineout, but. I think he is. He does at least play some sort of role in the kind of the breakdown area as well, because he was big into that as a player, um, and just general bits of accuracy he would have been working on with the players in terms of how they enter breakdowns, how they get the ball out quicker, how they get rid of Scottish bodies quicker, and also, I mean, for a man, Scotlander is not as powerful as South Africa, so it's it's easier to to be more physical and and get them out of the way out of the way quicker. So it's like I said, it's it's a little bit of both, and equally, I think that PowerPoint. Scotland being slightly less powerful, particularly in their type five forwards. Um, first of all, that came out in the fact that Ireland made more dominant tackles than they did in South Africa and dominated the gain line, the collision, more than they did against South Africa. But equally, I think that did change the game plan in that Ireland, were, Ireland actually missed loads of tackles against Scotland, and Scotland actually attacked reasonably well. Now, those stats were inflated by the two tries they scored in the second half when Ireland just emptied their bench in one go almost. But... Another part of that, I suspect, is that Ireland said we're happy to kick to them, to give them volume of attacks because we know we can deal with their their ball carriers. Whereas against South Africa, it was a case of we need to hold on to the ball and attack as much as possible because sooner or later, they're just so big, they will grind us down. And that did happen against South Africa. That second half was chaos defensively from an Irish point of view, but they recovered really well. Whereas against Scotland, they just said we're not going to have to recover because our first line of defence will be so much stronger because we can just deal with their physicality much, much easier. I suspect that was part of the part of the plan as well, which is probably what led to a higher percentage of kicks.
1: Okay. Those tries that were conceded late on against the Scots, you said m- was not unconnected to the emptying of the bench. Was there a drop-off in the stats? Did those things that worked so well, particularly during the first half, uh, were they just unable to sustain it? Uh, is it impossible to sustain for eighty minutes, or was it a result of the changes that were made off the bench? Perfection is absolutely hard to sustain, and nothing—you never achieve perfection. But
0: if, if you've done enough, you've scored thirty points. Psychologically, you're not going to sustain that at all. So there's a certain amount of drop-off that is always acceptable behind closed doors, if it's never acceptable publicly. Um, equally, I mean, they scored two two tries by score both attacking down the flanks and Ireland had both of their starting wingers injured and they had Gary Ringrose on one wing and Jameson Gibson Park on the other. Now they both played very, very well out of position and Ringrose has played a lot of wing earlier on in his career. But at the same time, I'm not going to blame either one of those for the try scored, but again, there's a narrative there that you can explore if you'd like to, that Scotland got two scores attacking where Ireland were weak. um, And just because Ireland didn't play with the same intensity, it was easier to get to those wide positions than it had been earlier on in the game. Maybe there's something in that. I don't know. You'd have, I think you'd have to go back and have a very detailed look at, at what happened. But I wouldn't necessarily say the bench came on and was terrible. No. Um. I think there could easily be changes next week. It was huge to get Jack Conan a uh, go off the bench this week because he's been injured and he hasn't played. We need to find out what they have from him. They now have a decision to make. Do they play him on the bench next week or do they play someone like Ryan Baird, who's the second row, back row cover? So, there's th- all those sorts of decisions to be made, but which which you know, way would you go? It's it, well, it probably depends on how if James Ryan is fit. Um, mm. They might they might keep, but might get both of them in if if James Ryan isn't fit. Equally, if James Ryan's not fit, they might pick Joe McCarthy um, on the bench. So it's it's an interesting one. I suspect all, you know, if they're all locked and loaded and everyone's available, I'd suspect Baird. I just think he's a little bit more of a of an impact athlete and has played more rugby recently. Do you think we've seen the last of Ross Byrne in this World Cup? Uh, no, because it could easily be an injury. But, uh, I mean, Jack Rowley got, what, 35 minutes in a World Cup, what was ostensibly a World Cup knockout game, albeit the game was won by the time he came on. And he had some nice touches, no less than the the very um, skillful cross-field kick for, for Ring Rose's try, which, by the way, was mind-boggling because um, the amount of people who are kind of from the nerdy analyst rugby community on Twitter were sharing clips... All the during the week saying Scotland backfield kick defence is crap. There's loads of space. Here's all load of examples in the last twelve months of teams scoring, kicking tries against them. And not that Irish, the Irish setup gets their analysis from Twitter or X, but it was out there in the public discourse. Everyone knew about it. And lo and behold, Scotland are useless at defending it, and Ireland score again. See, that's just incredibly poor coaching from Scotland that that was allowed to happen again. Space out wide, you know, you just you know fool me once shame on you fool me twice shame on me all that um so that's another dynamic but to answer your question i mean jack crowley is the backup
1: at half now for the rest of the competition unless there's an injury okay i feel sorry for ross actually as as you know i'm a huge fan of his uh performances over the years not least for leinster but also for ireland and i think sometimes he he gets a bad press in in an undeserved way but that's that's a hobby horse of mine next question for you is to do with the scotland's view of the game the scottish perspective they're ranked five in the world at the moment uh, how disappointed do you think they are this morning and uh, it was a comprehensive dismantling of scotland as you know you've described uh, analytically and the more lurid tabloid headlines have, have described you know irish dismantling of scotland uh, do you think they are the number five team in the world and do you think that they just came up against a fabulous ireland or do you think that they underperformed it's really hard to tell the first part of your question. It's really hard to say because
0: recency bias, you look at how Wales have done really well with a limited game plan against some pretty average teams, granted, but they're playing well. England, again, the Samoa game aside, where they really need... I mean, Samoa are actually a lot better than people give them credit for, but, you know, they they needed, They needed. pulled that one out. They got out of jail Did, there. I,
1: did I see a Leinster player in the front row for Samoa?
0: Yeah, forward. Michael Alalatoa, Michael Al-Ala-Atoa, he's yeah. the backup. He backs up for a long, a tight head, um, for Leinster. Um, so it's difficult because the easy answer is we'll put Scotland on that side of the draw and they'll get to a semi final, which they could easily do. Um, they've battered England in recent years. They've got a really good record against England in the Six Nations, and again, it's really hard to say. Are Wales a lot better because they've had a three month window of nothing but Gatland with his hands on them, and when that happens, Wales historically do well or they're just playing, you know, they're playing against Georgia, Portugal, and, a, you know, an Australia side that was beyond uh, poor in terms of expectations. So it's it's really hard to say. I still think you have to go off the body of work of the last 12, 18 months in Scotland have been the fifth best side in the world. That said, they were never... I, I don't, There was a lot... I think Irish people had... Especially because it was a two-week build-up. There was two weeks between... Ireland had a week off between South Africa and Scotland. I think you give... Irish mainstream media outlets that much time they just inevitably talk themselves into a sense of Scotland could do something here um, I think it's not necessarily just an Irish thing everyone sort of does it but you fall into the trap of giving them too much credit um, I always thought Ireland would be 15 points better than Scotland they were slightly more than that um, and I just think this results granted I didn't expect the game to be out of sight so quickly you 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 did think find it very hard to see how Scotland would would lay a punch on this Irish side because you know the the gap between fourth and fifth the top four and scotland is 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 huge, and it has been for like i said for for twelve eighteen months now so it's frustrating for Scotland, but you also i think gregor Townsend their coach in the post match press conference as well i I don't know his comments just gave me an air of resignation. he just kind of said you know Ireland are so good, and the way that their system is producing players they could dominate for the next five ten years. A coach isn't saying that if he's come out and thinking, God, we really missed an opportunity here. We could have. I think deep down he realises that
1: even if Scotland played as well as they possibly could have, they're probably still 10-15 short. You mentioned Gatland and Wales there. And of course, as a Welshman, I'm particularly interested in that story. I think one of the unheralded stories of the World Cup is the extent to which Gatland has been successful in turning this Welsh squad into something out of really nothing. Um, because coming into this, nobody gave them a chance. Few people actually gave them a chance, really, uh, uh, of coming out of their group or deserving to come out of their group. The only thing that uh, really, um, as I say, coming into the World Cup, people thought that they might emerge was because of the peculiar nature of the draw. Um, but as as it happens, they they've won every game. Is that correct, Nathan? I yeah. think that's right. Yeah. And they've played to a standard that nobody expected. And in Wales, everybody is saying, my God, Gatland's done it again. Is it just a Gatland and Wales thing? Is is it just because he has this ability to work this magic? Sorry to use a tabloid rather than analytical term. Or is there something about Gatland that really speaks to the fact that he is a, if not the world-class coach?
0: He's definitely a good coach. I think we've seen he has the ability to bring people together and find a way of playing very quickly that is effective. He's done it on Lions tours. He's, you know, he's what what he won down and down in Australia, nicked a draw against what was then a very good New Zealand side. And but the only, the only blemish there was he completely played the wrong style of rugby against South Africa in that Lions tour. But he has a track record of he gets a group in together. He would have got this Wales group into camp in June or July or something gets them a limited period of time it just gets them playing a way that means that they're as effective as they possibly can be um you know so just, there's deserves a lot of credit for that and history says he's a, he's a very good kind of short-term operator um if you think how many of his whale sides have kind of done what are and the france have done in the last two three years and consistently won t- trophies or been there or thereabouts you know he wins a grand slam every four or five years so to speak i think i i, I don't I need to go back and actually look at it. But that's kind of been his mantra. So it's not overly surprising. Equally, you know, a lot of these Wales guys would have grown up watching the, I think was it 2006 Wales Grand Slams when Gatlin kind of started his his era or whatever it was. Like, So he has an aura with those players. They, they respect him and they will do what he says and carry out what he says to the nth degree. So if those instructions are good ones and you have players who respect him to that degree. You know, you've got it. You've got a decent combination there. Um, they have equally played some very poor teams. Uh, they got Fiji at a time when I mean Fiji obviously were very poor the other night as well against Portugal. But generally speaking, they got Fiji at their low point at the beginning of the competition, and they built into it nicely against Australia. Um, they played against a terrible Australia side, and then some minnows in in Portugal and and, and Georgia. So it's hard to judge them massively that said i do think they'll beat argentina in a quarterfinal i know argentina at times looked very good on the weekend against japan and they ended up winning comfortably but that was a game where japan by and large controlled it which is two or three errors and two or three moments of brilliance from argentina blew it open and again that that backs it up i was looking online argentina you know kind of like Expected goals in football, that's coming into rugby now. And Argentina scored 16 more points than they were predicted to based on how well they played. That's a, That's huge. And it, so Argentina, again, should have lost that game. So I think against a side that's good at controlling games of rugby, which this Welsh side is, to an extent, not necessarily against the top four sides, I think, you know, good kicking game, strong set piece, pragmatic game plan, which is what Gatland has. I
1: think they beat Argentina and do so comfortably. How much do you think that Welsh success has been down? I know you've talked about the tactics and the ability of de Gatlin to inspire the Welsh team. How much of it is down to old-fashioned fitness? Because he's certainly, to my eye, taken this Welsh team to a new, higher level of fitness than they've had for for quite some time. They've always
0: been a very, very fit side. Um, They do have, he's quite a famous face, I can't remember his name, but he's always on the television coverage. um, They're fitness guy. Um, kind of an older guy with with white hair, short man. He's always carrying the tackle bags or whatever. Um, so they again, when Gatland has them through these windows, they are always an incredibly fit team. Um, so yeah, that's a massive, massive role, and you have to be because he asks his team to do a lot more defending than, say, an Ireland side would, um, for example. So and that and it. Defending is more physically draining than attacking. So, yeah, 100% fitness is part of it. But equally, I mean, look, they tried to play a different game plan under the previous coach, Wayne Pivac. They tried to play a more possession, slightly more attack-minded game plan. It didn't work. They don't have the players for that. I think that's kind of been the genius of Gatland all the way through his Welsh tenure is to probably realise when they do have the players for that and expand a little bit, not a long a lot, but equally when you don't have the players just to kind of revert to type... He, he, he
1: basically does what South Africa do, except with minus the, the, the physical specimens that they have. Before we get on to predictions for next weekend, and in particular Ireland against the All Blacks, I do want to talk about the lunacy of the draw. And I read something in one of the British newspapers over the weekend about how world rugby is uh, somewhat sheepish about the nature of the draw. We now have the four best teams playing each other. In the quarters so two of the best four teams by this time next week will be out of the world cup that seems to me to be an absolutely ludicrous situation uh, if the seeding had been done properly these four teams would be meeting each other in the semis of course and that's the way seeding is supposed to work i think they deserve to be a lot more sheepish i think they deserve to be condemned to hell for what they have done um, i'm not entirely sure why they did it do you have you any ideas why they did it at the because t- it's all to do with timing, isn't it? They did it years ago, and that did seems it two, to be- two years ago. Yeah, based on world rankings, um, that was just before Ireland had their like farrell
0: uptick, so to speak. And it was South Africa probably weren't as strong as they are now. They tend to go down in the middle of a World Cup cycle and then build back up again because most of their players play abroad, so they don't have that cohesion that the islands of the world do because all their players play at home. Um. I think they they do it so people know where they can travel. Um, they do it so people can buy tickets in advance. Sponsors can organize. They can they can organize their travel for their sponsors. They'll say they do it for fans. They probably do. I mean, it probably does help that fans can start booking flights two years out. Um, but it's it would also be so world rugby and their various entourages can can book the teams can can book their travel um years in advance. But you're right. I think. Look, I don't know. I feel like it's been talked about so much. It's 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 a little bit of a non-topic now. But you know, they've they've. I'm not sure if they've done it publicly, but they definitely have privately acknowledged that they got it wrong. They've done it. They've, it's just the way it's always been done. This is the other answer to your question? It, they just always have done it to you. I can remember years ago, um, Ireland when they were in the midst of a poor run. I think it might have been under under and Kidney. Um, they had to beat Argentina in a November test to ensure that they didn't get one of those death pools that Scotland have got, like when South Africa and whoever it is that's ranked in the top four. And they just about got it, I remember. But that would have been, you know, two years out from a World Cup. So that would have been 2008, 2009, World Cup 2011 or something like that. Um, so it's just the way they've always done it. Um, okay. first, and I
1: think- e- first easy question. Predict uh, France, South Africa.
0: I think, for, I think I think for, it's bizarre. I think the way the teams are structured, I think uh, South Africa are the best structured team to beat Ireland. Ireland are the best structured team to beat France. And France are the best structured team to beat South Africa. Just the way they all intertwine. I know it, it sounds kind of incongruous, but I, I genuinely think France have the best
1: opportunity of any side to beat South Africa. So I think they'll win. So that, and of course, the big game, uh, Ireland against the All Blacks, your prediction? Ireland should beat them. Point spread? Five. Okay. And what would that set up? I've lost track of the way in which the the path to the semis would go. What would that set up potentially? You mentioned that you think in one of the quarterfinals, you think Wales will beat Argentina. So who Ireland-Wales. Ireland-Wales. So Wales will beat Ireland in the semis. So Wales is actually going to make the final. (laughs) Remarkable. That's extraordinary. The great great gallant escape. And the other semi, England, who are England going to get in in the quarters? England, England are playing Fiji. Okay, so that's an interesting one. Fiji will probably beat England, won't they? Well,
0: I would have said that, but then they were just so poor last night against Portugal. Um, it was a really bizarre, bizarre game. Portugal deserve a lot of credit. They've played a lot of crack in rugby this tournament, um, albeit without getting over the line. And they finally got a, like, a huge, massively romantic storyline, Portugal winning their first World Cup game. Um, bizarre. Fiji, desperately poor against Wales for an hour, came back and looked. Like the best team in the world for twenty minutes and just fell short in their comeback excellent against Australia again, poor Australia, good Fiji difficult question to answer um beat Georgia comfortably, and then lose to Portugal. All of this is off the back of Fiji beat England in a world cup warm up when England went full metal jacket, I think I'm right in saying selection wise so it's bizarre um it's really, really difficult to say um but I think the one thing that helps Fiji is that England are playing very poorly as well and um, they looked like they were building into their campaign nicely and then um they come back
1: against our uh, against Samoa so the and... two semis on current predictions predictions of this podcast are Wales Ireland and mm-hmm. Fiji France is that right
0: i think i think i'll probably be more conservative and go england
1: you think england will beat fiji okay that's yeah
0: i think i think i don't think they can be that poor again um Equally, I don't think Fiji can be that poor again, but I just think in a knockout game, you go with the side that Fiji are more pragmatic as a side. They don't, they're do not they not the flying Fijians, throw the ball everywhere, we don't care, carefree side. They're not quite that anymore, but England are still probably just about slightly better organised, set-piece forwards, all those boring things that tend to be even more
1: important in, in knockout rugby. So on form, that should be, if we get to those two semis that we just described there, on form, that should then result in an Ireland-France final. Is that right? You would think. You would think the only thing that would stop
0: that is if um, France reverts to type, which they haven't really done in this era ever since Fabien Galtier has been coaching them for the last four years. They haven't done that typically French performance of someone has a brain fade, someone gets a stupid red card. Remember the last World Cup, the French second row elbowed a, a Welshman in the head, and that, that was that, that was France knocked out of the World Cup. They haven't done that really. Once or twice it creeps in, but they haven't, That's been almost been beaten out of them by this coaching ticket. You wonder the pressure of a home World Cup playing in the Stade de France. If there's one side that would react to that badly historically, it is France. I know it's not very analytical and not very, it's hard to define, but... I think we've all lived through enough of that, that it wouldn't surprise us if there is one moment. Um, but I do think this is the best France side to to negate against that kind of um,
1: psychological trauma, so to speak. These are one-off games now. Um, these are knockout games, classic. All the cliches apply. And particularly when you have a, a game that, uh, although we are forecasting Ireland to beat New Zealand, uh, it's albeit with a very narrow point spread, New Zealand could easily do a number on Ireland. It, it, it's in the nature of these one-off games. How how much do you think that the Irish nation will do what it always does in these situations, go from thinking that they've got the best rugby team in the world to a team of no hopers? It's an interesting one, isn't it? I, look, I think everyone,
0: most people, I think, most people who thought about these things recognise that this could be the best Irish team we've ever had. And they still lose a World Cup quarterfinal because of the shoddy nature of the draw. Um, so I think there will be some leeway from public, public opinion if that happens. Um, equally, I do think now that they are playing so well and there is this confidence going to New Zealand game, which there never has been. Ireland there's no, Ireland have never been as confident as they are now as a country head playing New Zealand, I do think there will be a massive disappointment if they don't win. um, Because they should. They absolutely should beat this New Zealand side. They're a better rugby side 1-23 to than New Zealand. But like you said, anything can happen. The one thing I would say about that, anything can happen, and I mentioned it in the last question, uh, a card is going, one of the games that we predicted, a card is going to throw at least one of those predictions out the window. I think the best, the side that is best equipped to not do that is Ireland. Um, I think they have they do have the best record of not getting red cards or those those high shots um, a lot of that is due to historical coaching reasons which we can get into on another occasion but that is one thing that I think in the pure randomness of this all Ireland are the least random t- horse to back in my opinion um, from events that are kind of not not acts of God but you know uh, random things that are difficult to predict.
1: I can confidently predict that at least one of our predictions will be wrong. Um, yeah, so, so, I think the most likely one to be wrong is the France of Africa one. Okay. Will you come back next week and talk about how it how our predictions have gone? Yeah, we can probably and um, we can answer that
0: question on how the Irish public has turned on the on the team. But that, that that said, I this is and I've been you know I haven't been watching rugby for as long as as you have, but um, this is the most positive connection i think i've seen between a team and it and its and its country i mean the the 60 70 000 people in the stade de france every week it's it's madness i've never seen this, this swell of positivity and you know you'd bundy conducting the crowd last week after the win and, and things like that and look i know it's a world cup it's different um i know i know it's close to home the last world cup was in japan and no one could travel to it but even still just this it's different it's it's varied. it's, it's different even to the connections you get between the crowd and and the at aviva at, at games it's just even during the grand slam run it just didn't feel that kind of it just wasn't it, it didn't have the same groundswell of positivity so
1: I, I think for that to disappear in an instant would surprise me a little bit should they lose long may it continue okay nathan thank you very much indeed again for your um fantastic contribution and i look forward to speaking to you again next week cheers hi i'm daniel founder of pretty litter